Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. In this episode, we welcome Joe. Joe is from Canton, Massachusetts. He is one of 10 kids. He recently graduated from the Humphrey School of Public Affairs in Minneapolis with a Master's of Public Policy and Public Nonprofit Management and Leadership. His research focused on the transportation barriers of underserved communities, the social return on the investment of affordable housing, and the sex abuse scandal of the Catholic Church. He currently serves on the planning board and the master plan implementation committee of the town of Canton. He is a carpenter and addiction counselor by trade and is hoping to move back to the Boston area. In his spare time, he enjoys road trips, camping, softball, and tender recovery conferences, and stand-up comedy. Please welcome Joe. Hey, Joe. Welcome to the pod. Hi. Thanks. How you doing? Good, thanks. <clears throat> excellent. Excellent. All right. So why don't we get started? Um, just why don't we start off by you telling us your name, your preferred pronouns, and a little bit about yourself. So my name is uh, Joe uh, Amrai. My pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm uh, from uh, Canton, Massachusetts. I'm one of 10 kids. Wow. So just a lot of action happening there. Wow, I can imagine. Wow, my dad's one of seven, so I, I have a little bit of an idea, but 10 is, that's a lot. It is. Uh, all right, so um, why don't you start us off by uh, telling us about your first drinking and using experience, and then you're just going to take us through your story up until now. Sure. Well, <clears throat> I was a very shy kid um, going to Catholic school, and my mom is a religious fanatic, but my dad sort of wanted no part of it, but, but nevertheless, I ended up... Um, being very shy and being attracted to more outgoing people when I was a kid. And then I, um, you know, I went to, went to trade school, to carpentry, and then I got a job um, in Boston. Followed it, I followed in my dad's footsteps. And I remember being invited to parties, and someone said to me once, Joe, this is a very relaxed environment. You're not relaxed, you know. Um, and, of course, I knew that um, more than he did, mm -hmm. and I didn't like it. And I didn't like that um, extreme shyness. So, so to speed things up, at around 26 years old, I went on va in vacation to um, San Diego, California, or the West Coast, and I bumped into this kid that um, outside this uh, sex club. He says, "Would you like to try some of this? It's like Coke, but it makes you horny." So I thought, "Well, jeepers! I mean, I'm on vacation. That that sounds like a good side effect." So what happened was this shy person that had difficulty navigating uh, intimacy, social situations, uh, became very aggressive and was able to, um, I was able to, to go after what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I liked the response. So that's sort of uh, way things got started. So then I came back to Boston and naturally I somehow was able to find uh meth there mm -hmm. and uh, up until this point i had only done like alcohol and maybe an occasional hit of hit of ecstasy so then i uh sort of became involved in my union at my job and uh 
And then it wasn't until I'd been there about 10 years that things started to become a real problem at that time. But if I started there at 17 years old, that was probably around 10 years. Yeah, 26. So around 28, I was um, using a lot of sick time to have long weekends. Yeah. And I would mostly spend um, initially, I, you know, it was it seemed glamorous, but then it, it all sort of turned into me going to the uh, the bathhouses in, in Providence. There were like two of them. Mm-hmm. One was sort of like more seedy with, with a with a chewed up carpet, and the other one was sort of like very nice. But I liked the the uh, the seedy one, mm-hmm. and uh, it seemed like I was spending so much time at the bathhouses. I was starting to get my mail there. <laughs> so then uh things started to become a problem at work mm-hmm. and i knew they were out to get me and somehow i uh so i ended up um going into recovery going to uh this place in uh brookline called the triangle program it was like mental health and addiction for gay men mm-hmm. That was a tricky experience because there were a lot of cute guys in the program and my meth brain uh, hyper focused on them mm-hmm. and then sort of uh, fantasized. Yeah. So I ended up going to treatment in Minnesota. I heard about this place called the Pride Institute. So and then they convinced you, convinced you to stay. So. At this time, I was in my late 30s, and I just had a high school diploma, a trade school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have much going on. I ended up uh, going, staying there, going into a sober home, and then I'd probably go back into treatment like every year. I wasn't really, um, I knew I needed some help, but I wasn't really interested in quitting the drug altogether until uh, in 2000. Uh, uh, my my uh, clean date is November 11th of 2013. So I just celebrated 10 years um, uh, drug-free. and That's amazing. Yes. So when I arrived at the Mayo Clinic, um, for the first time in a very long time, I genuinely felt loved. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard for me, Dave, because I had to sort of admit that I've had a history of not feeling loved. Mm-hmm. And I did not like that. So it, it sort of made me very emotional and um, sad. And but um, but I started from someplace and then I stayed there for about a month and a half. And things just um, it's a great program because they have like three doctors that oversee all areas of the um, treatment program. And they um, they let me leave the premises to, to work out at, at a local gym. They really trusted me. And that trust sort of is a big part of my recovery. Love and trust. So so then I left there and one of the counselors says, Joe, I really like your feedback. Why don't you go back to school, become an addiction counselor, and then come back here to work? Oh, wow. So um, I didn't have a lot of good direction this time at this point in my life. So, uh, So what happened was, I uh in about six months I did do that. I went back to school and I did take addiction counseling and but then I sort of um got involved with political science and uh this past um uh May I uh finished grad school with this um a master's of public policy. Amazing. That's great. 
right. So now I'm sort of looking for work and looking for the next step in my life. And I have a lot of good skills and uh, clean time. So, but initially my package, you know, restless, irritable, and discontent with life, with people, with everything. So I sort of had the package mm -hmm. that many people talk about and, and uh, so part of my success with the program has been uh, going to the gym. Initially, I, I would do that to uh, help with my anger and my obsessive thoughts. And I really, it became a family, you know, I, I liked the response that people would give me. Mm -hmm. And it sort of helped out a lot of different things. So that's been a big part of it as well. So now I have four sponsees um, and I... Uh, you know, am interested in improving, improving my, my life and just making things. Uh, I go to different recovery events and mm -hmm. I think I have really good relationships. But the most important component of that was about um, four years ago. I, I when you do math, you sort of. You start getting involved with different types of sex, not just necessarily vanilla sex. Mm -hmm. So I went to this kink event in Augusta, Georgia, because I knew that was something I was ignoring in recovery. Mm. Now, I'll probably say I'm not into kink as much as I thought I was after going to this event. I learned a lot of kink etiquette. <laughs> there we go. Right. So it wasn't a total, um, but uh, but it also brought me a lot of comfort with myself and around other people. Mm. So uh, what I wanted to just basically try to say from that was facing my fears Although it's been one of the most incredibly difficult things uh, at times, when I finally get to that point, I get more love, more connection, and more understanding than I ever would have thought of. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I sort of have wondered, why didn't I face my fears sooner? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's one thing, too, with me, because when I got out of it, too, it was like that kind of that uh connection and, and that love in different places and and that kinky side of myself also was something to explore and you're right when you're in the, the mess scene you get introduced and you get into a lot of different things and when you come out it's like how do you manage that those urges and those you know those parts of yourself that were kind of brought up by the drug so exactly I, I relate I relate to that part of your story for sure so um now that now that you're in recovery, you you mentioned that you're in. Are you in? You're in an NA and AA program. I go to AA NA, but I, I primarily identify with CMA, Christmas Anonymous. Um, you go a part of the CMA here in Boston. Yeah, I I really connect connect with those guys a lot, and um, that's. Funny. I also go to a, a CMA retreat in Connecticut called Spring Clearance. Uh huh. I've heard of it. Yes. That has been such a um, a game changer for me. I thought. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so besides CMA, what are some other things in your sobriety toolbox? I know you mentioned working out. Do you do therapy? Do you do journaling? Do you do any sort of meditation? What kind of things do you kind of use to keep yourself sober on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, my sponsor is big on meditation. She's a female. She's, she's originally from New York City, and, and we meet over Zoom. But it's for me, it's about like I go to a morning meeting. It's called Good Morning Higher Power. Uh, Monday through Friday, and then uh, the gym is very important. It's about eating right, mm -hmm. and it's about um, uh, keeping busy in ways where I'm not uh, feeling like I'm over over busy. Initially, when I had gotten clean, I had been living in a sober house. I was going to outpatient, but then I was going to the gym. Then I was going to a volunteer gig at this museum, 
And then also I was going to school. So therefore, if any part of my program became like um, difficult, I have all these other areas of my life, no big deal. Yeah. So, so uh, keeping busy has been an important part of that. And I used to do a gratitude list every day, but I've sort of, um, I get, do get gratitude lists. I, I just, um, I, I know it works, but I've sort of moved past that, you know? Yeah. My gratitude lists are for me now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so now that you are sober, who is like, who is the person in your life that has been super supportive of your sobriety? Well, I come from a family that's not too fond of gay people. So, <laughs> so not them. <laughs> no, right. My dad was one of my, um, I was so close to him and he, uh, he did pass away in 2011, but, um, that was one of the most, um, important, um, s- strong beneficial relationships in my life. So now I have, uh, like I say, I have four sponsees, but I have a lot of friends in the program too. And I sort of host a weekly book group at my apartment and we sort of go to other people's apartments. And we first started reading The Velvet Rage. Okay, yeah. That was amazing. You know, we just met together, read the book, no homework, and whoever hosts provided snacks and beverages. So that uh, is... we is where I got to um, to have much more uh, better relationships with other people. But that's hard. It's a hard question for me to answer. Who's my biggest um, mm-hmm. fan, you know? Yeah. It's usually, a, it's usually a network of people. It's usually not just one, but oh, sometimes yeah, I'll yeah. have one that really like sticks out. So um, what are some plans and goals that have emerged in your life? I mean, you mentioned going back to school. And so um, besides your, your career, have any new things popped up that you've wanted to do now that you are, you know, 10 years into sobriety? Well, one thing I started about, um, I think five years ago, as I went to this um, open mic night for comedy, and uh, it, I mean, I did the best I could, <laughs> and but I've sort of improved now mm-hmm. to the point where I'm uh, I'm really good at it, and uh, so that's something I do on the side at different recovery events or certain things. I I just did some comedy event in, in Minneapolis, and it was. I was self-critical, but I looked at the video and I'm like, damn, I I, I killed it. There you go. There you go. That's yeah. great. I love that. I love that you've moved into stand-up comedy for, I mean, that can be, talk about getting over fear. Talk about getting up on stage being such a scary thing. Like, that's great. If you could give one piece of advice to a newly sober person, what would it be? piece of advice um, would probably be to, is to look for the love in, in your life. Mm-hmm. When you don't think you see love in other people, Try to consider the alternative narrative, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So if you give one piece of advice to someone who is dealing with a loved one who is currently in active addiction, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah, I saw that that question, Dave, and that's a tricky one because I had a brother that struggled with addiction and, and my mom, a few years ago, my mom found him in the family home, but, um, but I struggle with addiction and I know what helped me was when, when I was sort of unlovable, people were still being kind to me. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, we have to uh, try to just be, uh, I think it's helpful to be, uh, kind without, um, I know this tough love, but I don't know if, uh, if you can try to have some sort of, sort of love and kindness, uh, as, as as part of that approach, I think it's very helpful for people that don't always see a lot of love in their life at that time. Mm-hmm. 
good advice. I like that a lot. So uh, as you know, I run an organization here in Boston called Sober Gay Sunday. We do activities around the city with the sober uh, queers. And I was just wondering, what would your dream Sober Gay Sunday activity be? Oh, well, <clears throat> I did see that question, too. I always thought about maybe like a group uh, trip to maybe um, Porto Vallarta or maybe some other event where, you know, people could do like zip lining and all kinds of fun events, you know, uh, that would be super cool compared to just like day trips. That makes sense. Very true. Very true. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I've, I've been zip lining in Puerto Vallarta before. It's quite, it's quite intense. Oh, I haven't been yet. I'm looking oh. forward to it. Oh yeah. It's, it's, de it's, it's, you're so weird. The place we went to was like so high up in the trees. And then like the last thing you, so you do all these zip lines, like all the way through their course. And then like one of the last things you do is this like Superman sail for like half a mile. It's crazy. It's really that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a good one. I definitely want to see if we can do that at some point. Yeah. Um, so now that we're wrapping up, um, what, where can people find you if they want to find you on social media? Well, uh, on Facebook, um, it's uh, Joseph Timothy. So that's just like my first and middle name. Mm. I'm also on uh, TikTok and my uh, there with all of my lot of comedy and other things is um, Boston underscore Joe underscore. So uh, that is um, a fun, fun, fun thing for me. Really cool. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll definitely put all that information in the show notes. So they can find you and you'll uh, tag your hopefully get you some more TikTok followers. All right. Joe, thank you so much for being on the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Dave. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sober Gay Sunday. You can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay sober, guys. I'm so sick of small talking, tell me something, you're jumping in me on my head with your biggest mistakes. I don't want your daily drama, fill me in on family traumas, tell me all the medication that you take. Cause life's so short, we blink so fast.